0: The following podcast is brought to you by the Bridge Bible Church in Somerset, Wisconsin. For more information, please visit our website at thebridgewire.com. Hey, uh, I've been here before you. Yeah, I was a loud. Now wake up. Um, You know, I love the local church. I love pastors. I am one. And, uh, you know, sometimes we go through bumps in the road, just like any family. And so, uh, some of you know that Converge is an organization. We call it our tribe, our movement. We've got about 115 churches in Wisconsin, the Upper Peninsula. My role, my job, is to oversee church planting. I also dabble in missions because my wife and I were sent to uh, purgatory, no, no Panama, uh, to plant uh, an international church. It's, you know, it's still going. It was a hard, it was a hard call. Um, but, you know, sometimes when you're dealing with issues in the church, sometimes you need an outside perspective. And so that's why I'm here today. Uh, I love your pastor. I've known him. We've gotten together over the years. I love your leaders and, uh, and I love you guys, Okay. We good? Today I'm just going to do like a a reminder of the purpose of the church because I hang out with some guys that don't go to church or they're classified as de-church or unchurch. We had a conversation just on Friday uh, about you know what's the purpose of the church so I'm going to kind of dive into that but I want to also mention that I'm retired law enforcement and maybe you've heard some things that have been going on in our community. Have you heard about that? Uh, I just found this out today from an officer that attends our church. I'll tell you about that in a second. Uh, that Josh Owens from Pope County, that he was a Christ follower. I just found that out today. And that changes things because that's the hope that we have. Uh, and I did not know where he was when he got killed last week. And so I'm praying for that family. Um... Yeah, it's just, it's just horrific. So let me, let me, uh, that's kind of the good news and the bad news, right? Like, how is that? But if you don't have the hope of Christ that we actually just sang about, then you are utterly lost and you can have everything. And if you don't have Christ, you have nothing. And I think our culture is lending itself that, hey, we need to pay attention. The church needs to be reaching out there. So by the way, if you're a guest or visitor, I'm just the rent-a-pastor today. And so welcome. I hope you enjoy our, our talk today. So let me open up in prayer. And by the way, I think this is a good time that you put the pause button, and I'm going to give you just a couple of seconds to align your spirit with God. Like, hey, am I right? Am I in the right place to worship you, to learn more about you, to become more like Christ. Is that fair? Okay, let's have a moment of silence and I'll lead into prayer. Father, thank you for the church. Thank you that we can come together as brothers and sisters in Christ and to worship you through song and music, through a message, I pray, Lord, that we would shed the stress and the angst and the frustration and whatever's going on in our spirit, that we would realign our spirit with yours this morning. And so help us, help us today with maybe a deeper understanding of the bride of Christ, the church. And thanks for the opportunity to speak here. I pray a blessing upon each here, whether in the room or online. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So these guys that I connected with on Friday said, you know, why, why do you meet on a regular basis? Uh, what are you really accomplishing? What's, what's the purpose of getting together? And I thought, "Well, you know, this, these are unchurched guys asking me this question? I mean, I think that's important uh, that we have an answer and how we can respond to them. Like, it's not about church. Is it, is it about church? Some of you are like, what are you talking about? No, it's about Christ and his church, but it's not about the church per se. And sometimes I think we get, we get distracted with that. So I just want to remind us, like I said, the purpose. You know, we have a duty as Christ followers to present the gospel to our neighbors, our co-workers, our family, our friends in such a way that they're curious. Like they should want to ask us questions like, why do you go to this church? Uh, what's the process of that? We talk about the good news. Have you heard of the good news? Really? You turn on the TV and you never hear good news. But you get to come here and hear the truth and you get to hear good news. By the way, thank you for saying amen because that means it's true. It's yes. So, um, and then on Wednesday... I was over in the cities at a cohort, and we're we're looking at vision culture, and vision is very important. In fact, Scripture says without vision, the people perish. But the discussion was, hey, what is, quite frankly, what is the purpose of the church? So I'm not going to ask you to talk back to me, but I'll tell you what your answers would be. Is that fair? Like You get all A's today. So it's discipleship. It's one-on-one, helping people to become more like Christ, discipleship. It's, it's evangelism. It's actually sharing the good news with someone to see them cross that line of faith in trust and hope and faith. It's also accountability. You know what the world says about us? And I'm saying us as a church. You know what they say? Oh, you're all hypocrites. You're haters. Right? You're judgy. And I have to remind them that Scripture tells us to judge those within the church. Are you shocked by that? Everyone out there gets a pass that they don't know Christ. They get a pass. They're not not saved. They're not redeemed yet. But it's you people that I get to judge. (laughs) Let me give you an example. We've planted three churches. One was outside of Madison, Wisconsin. There was a guy that was a roadie, like a legitimate roadie for Madison, uh, some venue there. And he was our sound guy, but he came in one time and I could smell alcohol. As the pastor church planter, do I go, oh, pass. No, I called him on it. Is that judgy? No, it's called accountability. Are you doing okay? Yeah, it was a rough night. Well, yeah, I can smell it. But it's not like you go up to a perfect stranger. You know, turn or burn. You're a sinner. That's what the world thinks that we do. Which is totally a false narrative. It's also fellowship. We get to do this together? So we launched a church 18 months ago. It's called Cities Cop Church. We meet in Arden Hills. It's focused on first responders. Anyone can come. We have civilians that serve. It's beautiful. And we have this lady who just got diagnosed with ALS. And I can't tell you how many times she has come up to me, Pastor, thank you for letting me be involved in this. Oh, if everyone would have that, like, we get to do this? By the way, I have to be reminded how awesome the church is. It's going to outlive everything, every structure, organization on the planet, the church. It's eternal. So by the way, uh, it is worship, but worship is just not music. Worship is everything. I'm going to unpack that in a little bit, but it's also the hope. It's the hope that we have together. Can I say a bad word? Parents are like, (laughs) they've said worse. When the crap hits the fan, my prediction is it's when the church is going to come together. How do I know this? I've been in communist countries, Cuba, China, we were in Bulgaria, and what they say is this, anytime there's persecution and the church is being attacked, it's when the church actually thrives and grows, so if our worst days as a culture is coming before us, and I, I, I don't know that, I'm not a prophet, it's you guys that are gonna come together. Who else are you gonna trust? Who else are you gonna go to? And I actually say that to my leaders as well. So I happen to poke around your website, and you know, the Bridge Bible Church, that's you, say we, you're the church. You exist to exalt the name of Christ in our city, our nation, and around the world. We seek to be a community who gives glory to Christ, Above all things, and welcomes all people that join us in worshiping him. Did you guys know that? You have it memorized. That's your assignment this afternoon. Memorize it. Because the purpose of the church is to worship God, to give great worth to who the King of King is. Not to have anything before me and Him. No idols, no possessions. No persons. It's worship. I give everything to him. Now, the reality is, every day we have to be reminded of that, don't we? Because you step out on the carpet, the hardwood floor, tomorrow morning before you go to work, and you're not always thinking that. How do I know that? Because I don't always think that. Just reality. But it's worship. It's, it's giving. It's giving your time, talent, treasure. It's like, oh, Can I outgive God? No, you can't. But you can try. You can try. What about serving? And serving with the right attitude. Like, again, I get to do this. I don't have to do this. So the minute you go, you should stop serving. My son, when he was in high school, he was actually our drummer. Um, And you know how kids are. They wake up. I don't want to go to church. I don't know. I know you guys. You kids never said that. So I said, then don't go. He was not expecting that response. I said, because Grant, your worship would be useless and worthless. Sleep in. I don't care. Next thing I know, he's getting out of the shower. I said, what are you doing? Dad, I got to go to church. No, you don't. But thank you, Holy Spirit, for convicting my son. So there you go. It works that way. Anyway, you get this idea, and we get to deepen our relationship by those aspects with this living God that we come here to worship, and it actually strengthens our faith. Faith is a muscle. You have to step out in faith. You think we were overly enthusiastic about moving to Panama to plant an international church, leaving our kids behind, leaving our first granddaughter behind, trying to sell our house during the Great Recession... And then raising a boatload of money to get to Panama. Do you think we were thrilled? Not initially. And then we knew that it was going to be our hardest assignment. I mean, I barely survived. But I wouldn't change it for anything. The church is 10 years old. It's beautiful. But it strengthened my faith. And it also revealed stuff, the hidden sinful stuff in my life. And I think, really, God, I had to go to Panama to experience that? Yeah, I guess I did because I'm slow. Jesus uh, says this in John 4, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him in spirit. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The church is also here to provide spiritual nourishment and guidance. You know, I counsel you and say, hey, look it, uh this is where you need to go. Or maybe you're being called on the mission field or into church planting. You just don't do that. I had many counselors within the church, pastors, friends that were followers of Christ. And so again, through Bible study, through prayer, through fellowship with other believers, you get a deeper understanding of God's will for your life. Because it's a confirmation. Now, if it was a hairballed idea for us to move to Panama and everyone said, don't do it, I would not do it. If my wife said, hey, we should not do that, I would not do it. Because you have unity. So you've got to check that in the church. That's the church, that's the benefit. And we get to live this out. The church is also called to, save other, uh, to serve others. You know, Jesus gives us this ultimate example of how you serve. You know, we just celebrated Easter, right? Did you have a Thursday service here? You did? Okay. Yeah, you can talk back to me. So Thursday, Jesus is at the table saying, hey, disciples, this is how it's going to come down. And I'm going to give you an example. I'm going to roll up my sleeves. I'm going to wash your stinky, crusty, dusty feet. I'm going to serve you the Lord's Supper, which psh, they had no idea what that was all about until after the fast. Jesus says in Mark 10, he says, For the Son, even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Every Christ follower, every disciple that's here or online should go, How can I outserve? How can I serve? With the right attitude and the right motivation. Because I, you know, we're church people, right? Hey, no one noticed that I moved the chairs. <laughs> I've been buying donuts for 40 years and no one said thank you. You know, I'm being smarmy because we've all experienced that. So I've got to get realigned. I've got to get realigned with, Lord, I just need to serve you, whatever that may be. And then I prove it by serving you. There's a guy in our church, he's Ramsey County Sheriff's Deputy, gave his life last year. I love this guy. I love this guy because he is growing. Like, ha ha, 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 When you see people growing, you're like, yes. And I, uh, I got a text from him this week, and he said, hey, my, my former FTO is on hospice. I want to organize cleaning up her yard. She doesn't know Jesus yet, but maybe we can talk to her about it. Mic drop. Let's close in prayer. That's what it's about. And I'm praying. I don't even know this woman's name, but we are going to serve her and rally our church to say, hey, let's, let's just do a good thing by serving her to show the love of Christ. So the purpose, the purpose, why we exist. And we get this idea in this letter that Paul writes to the Ephesians and throughout this letter, we, we have a number of highlights of, hey, this is what the church should be about. And it gives us some clue as to our identity as a church. So I'm going to rattle these real quick. Ephesians 1, 22 to 23, and he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over things to the church, which is, say it, his body, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and in all. So the church is depicted as the body of Christ. We, we know this in Corinthians. Like, hey, you don't tell the ear, hey, I don't need you. By the way, I'm like deaf in this ear because I shot it out when I was 21. Like, you really appreciate your two ears, not just one ear. You don't say, hey, I don't need the pinky. You, you need all of this. We're the body. So young people, older people. You see how I did that? Older. Male, female. We're part of this mosaic that God has created. We're all Essential. You talk about essential workers. You're all essential workers. And we we connect with Christ at this deeper level when we're really connected to the local church. The local church is awesome. The local church has been around for thousands of years. And the local church is incredibly flawed and messed up. Because there's a bunch of sinners hanging out in this place that we call the church that Christ died for. Isn't that awesome? You talk about the mystery. Oh, my gosh. So in Ephesians 2, it says, In whom the whole structure being joined together grows into this holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. A holy temple being built together, this dwelling place. You know, this spiritual covering. I I said this uh, the other day. I, I was talking to somebody and I said, you know, I've been around the church for 20 plus years. And there have been people that have said, Pastor, the Lord has called me away. And I'm like, really? Where has he called you? Well, we don't know yet, but he's called me away. Do you see how smart I am this morning? And it dawned on me there's three lords. There is the Lord of Lords, capital L Lord, the King of Kings, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. That Lord I want to listen to, amen? Amen. Then there's the Glen Lord, the small L. I had baked beans last night. I think the Lord's calling me someplace. That was weird, sorry. (laughs) Then there's Satan. And he's the Lord too. And he's a deceiver. And he's a weasel. And he's a liar. And some people go, huh, I think that's the Lord. And that's where the church comes and says, No. God's not calling you away. Serve love. Ephesians 3. Chapter 3, 10 to 11 says, So that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might be now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so the various displays of wisdom that God enables us to apparently have an influence in the heavenly realms and the authorities and we're making this declaration spiritual beings. That's why when, when one lost sinner gives their life to Christ, what does it say in Scripture? There's a holy celebration. Why is that? They know what's at stake. They're in the presence of Almighty God. This is a big deal. And so the heavenly realm is obviously involved in things that are happening in the world today, which is kind of creepy and humbling And awesome in the sense that, hey, we better watch our behavior, our attitudes, first and foremost to God, but we're a testimony. Look at Hebrews. We're we're the great cloud of witnesses that's up there looking at us. And then chapter four, it says this, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the shepherds and the teachers to do everything because they're paid. Are you reading that? you reading this? No, to equip. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. We're the body of Christ. I'm awesome in so many areas, but I'm an utter weak failure in many more. And same with you. So you try things. I love the fact we have young people in, in the church. It's like give them the opportunity, hey, just step up and serve, and then we'll guide you. By the way, can I uh, share my agenda with you real quick? I think the church needs to focus on younger people, like fifth graders. Any fifth graders in the room? Fifth graders? Raise it high, raise it high. Okay. Fifth graders are awesome because they don't know anything, (laughs) but they're eager. And we need to see their little spirits to go, my gosh, she loves Jesus. Look at that little prayer warrior. Can I just walk with her as an older person to influence her, to guide her? Like, you could be a missionary. You ever think about being a missionary? Okay, you will now. (laughs) Because time is really quick. We leave here this morning to go over to Maplewood for our other granddaughter. It's her seventh birthday. And I said, oh, I love seven-year-olds because they're perfect. They just want to please their mom and dad. Then eight-year-olds, it's like, oh, forget it. (laughs) Okay, parents, you know. Do you get that, church? Do you get that? Got to invest in these young kids and look at the culture out there. Oh, my goodness. We are to equip you. And then Ephesians four thirteen says, "Until we all attain to the unity, say unity. unity. Now say it like you really mean it. Say unity. unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature man and womanhood, to the, I added that to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We are to be growing. If you're not growing, you're receding. If you're not growing, you're not growing, and we need to be growing." In our obedience, in our knowledge, in our service, in our worship, in our love. And then finally in Ephesians 5, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word So that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot, or wrinkle, or any such thing, that she might be holy without blemish. Let that sink in. Holy, separate, cleansed, radiant, blemished, blameless. That's just a sampling of what God has in mind for his church that he he loves, that he thinks about this church and all the churches around the world that are meeting. This is how he thinks of the church. So now let's do a little reflection. I want you to ask you, what do you think of the church? What do you think? What do you think? And does it align with God? So how we fulfill these purposes, it can change, but the purposes of the church does not change. Even as a church plant at 18 months, we've already established traditions. This church, the bridge, it has traditions, right? You don't even think about it sometimes. I love it when people go, well, I don't like the traditional church. Well, okay. Every church, to some extent, has a way of doing things. It doesn't mean it's biblical or non-biblical. It's just, hey, this is our culture. This is how, you know, central northern Wisconsin, this is how we operate as a church. But some of those traditions are confusing to the people outside the church. And they, don't under, really, they don't really understand it. It's kind of confusing to them. Like the questions that were asked to me, why do you meet every week? You know, why do you sing? Why do you pray out loud? In fact, we take things for granted. Why do you actually close your eyes and fold your hands when you pray? Have you been asked that ever? Well, because most of us have ADHD. And our mind wanders. So it's like, keep my hands still, focus on God with my eyes closed. I'm kind of, you know what I'm saying? And I tell these people, I'm like, you don't have to close your eyes. You don't have to fold your hands. But it's a posture of humility, like God, I'm worshiping you, so I am low. I should decrease and you should increase. Amen? Okay. So Rick Warren writes this. Strong churches are built on purpose. By focusing equally on all the New Testament purposes of the church, your church will develop a healthy balance that makes for lasting growth. And so Proverbs 19, Solomon writes, Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Don't we want that in our life? That the Lord's plans prevail, not my plans. It's taken me a a long time to just like get that. So I want to highlight too as we close this morning. It's the great commandment. Anybody have that memorized? (laughs) Rob does. Okay. This is so important. It's so important that we get this in us and that we live it out. In Matthew 22:36 36 to 40, you have this, this lawyer, this expert of the law trying to trip up Jesus. He's trying to, to corner Jesus, which is laughable, right? That can never happen. But this is what he's saying. He says, hey, by the way, do you, know you know how many commandments there are in Scripture? Shout it out. Don't be shy. I heard 10. Raise your hand if you think it's 10. Raise your hand if you think it's 613. 613. Fantastic, you got it. They all win. Sorry, guys, the rest of you. Just kidding. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment? Can we whittle this down to just the crypt notes? Just the, I just need two. And Jesus says, okay, I'm going to tell you. You shall love the Lord your God with, with all your heart, your whole being, nothing left, all of you, and with your soul, all your soul, and with all your mind. And this is the great and first commandment. And now the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And these two commandments depend the law and the prophets. By the way, how many of you are pretty good at loving Jesus? Really? Like every hand should go up. Now, here's the rub. How are you doing with loving your neighbor? No hands go up. Oh, one. That's the test. I love Christ and what He's done. We've journeyed together. He, he has guided me, He's rebuked me, He's corrected me. He's so gentle and patient with me. But then it's His people that you got to put up with. And of being together for 40 years with this fine woman, she's put up with a lot. But it's the forgiveness, it's the it's the encouragement, it's the love, it's the compassion. And the context that Jesus is saying to this guy, hey, look at you gotta get this. You gotta love God. It's not religious rules, it's loving God completely and fully. And you gotta love your neighbor as yourself because all of us love ourselves. And we think about ourselves many times more than we think of other people. At least I do. And then he continues, you know, the Great Commission. The second passage we call the Great Commission. I love the Great Commission because this is Jesus just before he ascends into heaven. He says, okay, disciples, get this. This is what you should be doing. The church, this is what you should be doing. Glenn, this is what you should be doing. And he says this. All authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. It's a big deal. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. I'm with you. You're not doing this alone. This is not a solo thing. It's a corporate thing. This is a church thing. And then, pfft, Jesus ascends. You remember that, don't you? I mean, just read the account. And the disciples are like this. Because, you know, I don't know what it is about old guys, but when we take photographs and we're looking up, our mouths always come open. So they're standing, their mouths open, going, oh, Jesus just said, said, just said something. And then the angel says, what are you standing around for? Get to work. I'm paraphrasing. Do everything I've commanded, and it's a declaration of victory. We have the victory in Christ. aren't? You? Isn't that great? We know the end of the book, we know all this stuff is going to fade away, but we know that Christ wins and has won. So you get kind of the synopsis of the biblical purpose in these passages. So the first in this great commandment is worship. You know, it's like loving God completely. And then it's service. Love your neighbor as yourself. Everyone in this room is sick of winter, right? We are totally unified on that. I woke up yesterday going, are you kidding me? It's an evil joke. Anyway, people are going to be raking. We're going to start trimming trees. You've got to go to your neighbors and say, hey, can I help you? Maybe you've never done that before. Step out of your comfort zone. Let's look at the quick trip. Who goes to quick trip? Everybody. You know, we have the state bird, the robin. We also have the state gas station. It's quick trip. But instead of paying at the pump, could you go inside and develop a conversation with the person working there? I always ask, hey, is this your dream job? <laughs> hey, how can I pray for you? Now, I don't do that the first time. Slowly, like showing people that you care. People are so anxious and isolated. And then with the Great Commission, go and make disciples, that's evangelism. I get to go around and helping churches like, how do you start spiritual conversations with your coworkers, your neighbors, your family that are pretty hostile to the church? There's a strategy, there's a tactic. You want to hear what it is? Don't talk about you, talk about them. Show them that you love them more than you love yourself. I tell a lot of old guys, like, I'm an old guy now. I can't believe it. No one cares about your opinion. Just you do. I hope that sinks in, actually. All right. Jesus told his disciples, hey, here's the process. You know, I, I'm doing this new thing and you're going to carry this on and it's spread for a couple thousand years, even today in Somerset, Wisconsin. We're still talking about this glorious thing that Christ loves and dies for the church. Isn't that awesome? This is awesome. And he says in Matthew, yeah, I'm going to build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. We win, but it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. There are battles there's things that are going on in every church around the world. And we have to come together in unity. And we get to partner with Christ in his building project. And we've, we get to do this every generation. You know, fifth graders. And just like that, they're going to grow up and they're going to go off to college. And they're going to be influenced. And they're going to get married. And, and grandkids and mom and dad are like, don't talk to me about that. But it's awesome. Just saying. All right. I don't want to offend you today, but can I offend you just a bit? I am so sensitive to what the outside world thinks of the church because we get to be part of that narrative and that reputation. We were in a small town, we went to Panama. That's a metro. Now we're in a kind of a suburban setting. And you have a reputation. Are you known individually and corporately by your love and your service? Are you evangelizing, seeing new people come to faith, crossing that line of faith, trusting Christ? Are you loving your neighbor? Are you loving the people sitting next to you? I I can't answer that. I am not always a loving person, especially when I get on the road in Minnesota. Sorry, got to get that out there. I almost got killed this past week, but that's another whole story. We're the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. Say that. We are the body of Christ. We're his hands and feet, his eyes, his mouth. We're the body of Christ. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. 1 Corinthians 12 says this, If one member suffers, all suffer together. After church last Sunday, Linda, who has ALS, and she got uh, accepted into this special treatment out in California. And her husband, Al, um, Vietnam vet, Walker, just like 10 of us got around and prayed. And loved her. And we get done, and she starts crying. She says, I love you guys. That's the church. That's the church. And I know that Jesus knows how fragile and how sensitive and how needy we are. The older I get, the more I I just know I need Christ. And then I'm reminded, you know, John 17, we're going to close with this. Worship team can come up. Jesus is praying to his Father. And it kind of jumps out at me. It's like, oh my goodness, Jesus is interceding. He's praying for you and me. In John 17, he says, as you sent me into the world, he's saying to his Father. So I have sent them, say them, into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they may also be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for only these, his disciples, but also those who will believe in me through their word. That's the evangelism that's, that's spreading out in the book of Acts. That they may all be one. Say one. one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they, all, they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent us. Do you get that, church? Is that not powerful? i got to be reminded of that. So let's stand up and I'll pray. Father God, I just pray that maybe this is just a reminder of the purpose of the church. Maybe this is new information for some that are here today and online. Maybe it's for the younger ears that need to be equipped and encouraged to be sent out someday. Father, this is your church. We sing about you and this church. We worship you in this church. And we're committed to you. So would you help us navigate all the stuff that's going on in this church and give us wisdom beyond measure and help us to worship you Help us with the great commission, the great commandment. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. And everyone said... Thank you for listening. The Bridge Bible Church stands to exalt the name of Jesus. We seek to be a community that gives glory to Christ above all things and welcomes all people to join us in worshiping him. If you don't have a church home, consider visiting ours. We are ordinary people who want to live life with authentic faith. For more information on how to get connected, deepen your faith and experience what God has for you, please visit our website at thebridgewire.com.